0: Welcome friends to the Ransom Tart Podcast. John Eldridge and my lovely wife, Stacy, here this week in the studio with Craig. And we are talking about prayer and talking about a new book that's coming out in two weeks called Moving Mountains. In preparation for this podcast, I asked Craig and Stace to Have a look at the manuscript again. They had read it. We had gone through it actually as a staff earlier in the fall and kind of get your fresh reactions to it. What was it like to read this again?
1: Reading Moving Mountains again just reminded me that I want to keep it right next to my nightstand and read it and read it and read it. My heart just burst over it. It's so – Encouraging and shifting my perspective on who God is and my role that I get to play in bringing His kingdom and how to pray and partner with Him. I mean, it's it's so good.
2: Great, you're ready for today's podcast. I am. Then. Whoa, yeah, John. When I read it the second time, I was just amazed at how much more there was here than my first time through. I found myself. Just thanking God for those who pray for me, who are actually more advanced than me and mm. see the results that I have yet to see. It's a book that kind of salts the oats. It just makes you thirsty if you're not already. I want to be this kind of guy. I want to see results. And there is a way things work, and I want to find out the way prayer works. Yeah,
0: I think one of the big surprises as people discover this little treasure is that, yeah, it's about prayer, kind of, but it's about a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. And it's really about our identity. It's about how the kingdom works. Mm -hmm. I remember last year going through – Some hard things and just some dark assault and it didn't feel like our prayers were working and it it felt like we had to learn more than we currently know. And it feels like we know quite a bit. I mean, Mm -hmm. 35 years as a Christian and sat under some great teachers over the years and read some phenomenal books on prayer and feel like we've learned a lot, you know, but it felt like it wasn't sufficient. And I was a little irritated with that. To be honest, there was this part of me that's like, really, really. I'm like, Jesus, like, why can't we just pray and that's it, you know? And and what he said to me was, he said, "You want to live in a kingdom, don't you?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, yeah. He's like, John, kingdoms have laws to them. There's a way things work. It's not just chaos, right? Like, there's an order. There's a a manner in which the realm operates in the kingdom of God, and so the book is kind of a lot about that mm-hmm. as well. It's really fun and kind of fascinating on how how God works in the world. Mm-hmm.
1: it really is, but it's also practical too, in that you know specifics for certain aspects needing to Praying for healing, praying for intervention, praying to consecrate your life, your body, your home. I mean, really specific, tangible things I think are wonderful. Something that was really exposed in me in in reading it this time was that I do get frustrated. I want my prayers to work and to work quickly. And there's something in me that's a little girl that I want to live in a kingdom, but I want to skip around and frolic in the fields and... Have somebody just give me my stuff on a silver platter. Yes. Whereas, as you highlight, the goal is our maturity and God is growing us up. And so I have a role to play in partnering with God. And there's something that, although I'm disappointed, the child, the woman is being bestowed dignity to mature, yes. to play my role yes. with my king. It's a partnership. Yes. It's a relationship I'm invited into.
0: Yes. I think that's one of the big first sort of ah ahas in growing in prayer is that prayer is not just asking God to do something Mm -hmm. and waiting Mm -hmm. to see if he does it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right? Like that's a pretty big epiphany. That's kind of a sort of a massive worldview shift. It is. When you go, wait, 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 what? Say that again? Yeah. Prayer is not just asking God to do stuff. And then waiting to see if he heard you, waiting to see if he's going to do it, that the more that we kind of delve into the way prayer works, looking at Elijah's life, looking yes. at stories from the book of Acts, both Old and New Testament, mm-hmm. you actually discover this. It's a partnership with God. Mm-hmm. Prayer is partnering with God to see things happen on the earth, right? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. In our lives and on the earth, right?
2: Yeah. John, when you say a uh, mention about people who think of prayer as you know, believing that God is good and powerful and then asking for stuff and being impatient, one of the things I've learned over this last year is so many of the things that are the deepest, most important things to us just require so much time mm. or aren't answered immediately and most people just give up right they just quit it's right. it's actually the people who believe that God does answer prayer or wants to intervene or engage that stay with it
0: yeah and see results yes yeah one of the one of the old Saints that taught me prayer I remember him saying just when you think you're probably done <laughs> you're probably just getting warmed up
2: Yeah.
0: Right. Like we want it to be fairly quick. We want it to be fairly short. And sometimes it is, sometimes. Right. But just that idea of, oh, the persistent widow. You know, there's one example of what does it look like to persevere in prayer without striving, fear, anxiousness? Not that, not a grasping, not, you know, but there is a persevering to Mm -hmm. it. Right. Mm -hmm. As with anything else in life.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And so much of that. Like you said, can come from our heart of knowing that God is good and who we are to him. Like as you highlight in the book and it exposed me so much, am I a slave? Yes, yes. And I don't even deserve to be asking. Am I a beggar? Am I approaching him like that? Can I just have the scraps? Just please, please, please? Yes. Am I just a servant or am I a daughter? Do I have the spirit of sonship and how that changes everything? And my approach to having a father that's excited, mm. expectant, wanting me to come, that puts wind in my sails and helps me to come boldly before his presence, but also to keep coming. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, this is an incredible passage in Galatians where it says, We have the full rights of sons and daughters, right? Yeah. We have the full rights. Of Good sons heavens. and daughters. And part of me is like, wait, what? Yeah, what does that mean? Right? What <laughs> does that mean? I want to tap into that. What are the full rights of a son or a daughter, of the kingdom of God, of the living God, mm-hmm. right? We have the full rights of sons and daughters. And how would that change the way we pray and yeah. the authority in which we pray, the confidence? Yeah, Let me just pause and say, listeners, we're talking about prayer for the next several episodes here in the podcast and we're going to model prayer, we're going to unpack kind of the ways of the kingdom, really intriguing, really fun to to delve into some of the secrets of God and how he chooses to operate in the world and involve us in that. But before we dive into that, I'm just curious each of you or some of your favorite portions of
2: the book. Mine was I forget what chapter it was. There were several. But I think it's four where you're talking about the character of God, the nature of God, and our need to not focus on the suffering, on mm-hmm. um, the deep need mm-hmm. that moves mm-hmm. us to prayer, but to keep our eyes on Christ. And ah, yeah. I just so appreciated yes. that because I'm that guy mm-hmm. who gets caught up in the need mm-hmm. and often – get flooded with empathy and sympathy that just kind of keeps me focused on the need and the person.
0: Doesn't it? It's human nature.
2: Yeah, Yeah, it's chapter 4,
0: which is entitled, Who He Is and Who We Are. And let me just read the opening couple paragraphs. One exhortation of Scripture that I long to keep far better than I do is this wonderful charge. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud— Of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's from Hebrews 12, of course. And I go on to say this as I fight my way through the battles of this world, my eyes aren't normally fixed on Jesus. I do look his direction more than I used to, but far more often my eyes are fixed on the crisis before me. They have a way of arresting your attention, yeah. right? And, mm-hmm. and just that – there's a beautiful scene I go on to say in the third of the Hobbit trilogy of films, The Battle of the Five Armies. The dwarves and Bilbo have in fact awakened the dragon Smaug from his slumbers The beast is enraged that anyone would dare challenge his stolen kingdom. Lashing out with indiscriminate vengeance, Smaug swoops down upon the unsuspecting village of Lake Town, breathing fire and death with every pass. Listeners may have remembered seeing the scene in the movie, but the town is in flames and villagers are fleeing and it's absolute destruction, mayhem, chaos. One man dares to rise against him, the Bowman Bard. While the Hamlet rages and the rest of the townsfolk flee, Bard climbs to the top of the bell tower and begins to fire arrows as the murderous beast passes by. But the armor of Smaug is impenetrable, like tenfold shields, save only By a black arrow from the elder days. And then as the plot goes on, his son knows where that arrow is. And he goes and he gets it and he brings it to his dad in the bell tower. And suddenly now Bard's up there, but he's got his younger son with him. And his son turns and sees the dragon coming and his fear just sweeps over him. And then there's this beautiful scene, this beautiful moment where the father says to him, Bane, look at me. You look at me. And Bain turns from all the destruction and chaos around him and looks at his father's loving, Mm -hmm. reassuring face, right? And that's that invitation in Hebrews 12, right? It's just human nature to look at the chaos, the mayhem, the pain. It's not helpful for prayer. It's not helpful for confident prayer, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: right? You've got to shift your gaze back to Jesus. Mm -hmm. And his resources and his goodness so that, oh, okay, you know, you can pray with assurance into a situation.
1: Yes. Right?
2: Yeah. Later in that chapter, John, you quote Thomas Kempis I love this. When I read this, I just stopped. And, and Kempis said, when Jesus is near, all is well and nothing seems difficult. When he's absence, all is hard. And I— I have experienced that. That is so true, focusing on him, right? just yeah. giving him your focus.
1: You know, if you keep reading there, Craig, where John, like, unpacks that even more to say that, that he's not saying Jesus mm. isn't near. It's like when we're not aware of him being yes. near, yeah. you know, yes. like, yeah. he doesn't actually leave us, but that... Feels like it, but mm-hmm. I like the fact that that's not true. But mm-hmm. but it is when you know he's near.
2: Mm-hmm. Whew. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So just as you're listening, friends, and as we're talking through this, let me offer a few things as we go along. Like when the crisis hits, man, the very first thing to do is just start saying, "I love you, Jesus. Mm. I love you, Jesus. I love you." If you can get to worship, you can get the stereo on or your car stereo, you know, turn on some worship. I love you, Jesus. Like, you got to catch your heart quickly, you know, when the bad news hits, when the crisis hits, when the pain returns, you know, when you stumble again, like – Simple, simple steps will help you so much. And for me, that's one that just begins saying, I love you, Jesus. I love you. Mm-hmm. And it may not feel true in the moment. Mm-hmm. That may not be what I'm feeling in the moment, but it helps to just realign. Dick, 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 mm-hmm. dick, 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 you know, just my whole being begins to click, click, you know, realign back into God. Yeah. And so that I can pray from that place. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stace, what about you? What was one of your favorite parts it- in the book?
1: One of my favorite parts in the book is where you remind us to ask Jesus what to pray. Yeah. You know, I have my compulsions, what I think a situation needs, what I want for the person, and I can just dive in. And then I kind of feel like I'm playing, you know, like a pinata with a stick, banging around blindfolded because I know I want something, but I don't know what. And and so to stop and ask God— What are you praying, Jesus? What do you want me to pray? And he will let us know. He'll guide us either through sensing his word inside or just our own bent then in that direction and that we're not alone in it. Mm. That we get to develop this partnership, this intimacy with Mm -hmm. Jesus and he doesn't leave us to flail around in the dark. I Mm -hmm. really, really Mm -hmm. like
0: that. Mm -hmm. It's huge, gang. It's huge. We just learned a lot over the years, and what we're trying to do in the book is share it all with you. But one of the great surprises of the maturing Christian life is it's not what your bad heart's going to get you to do that you shouldn't do. It's what your good heart's going to get you to do mm-hmm. you shouldn't do. You, you to offer to meet with this person, and God's like, No, no, I I wanted you to have your afternoon off, you know. Or you offer to help someone financially, and God's like, ah, Actually, their financial crisis is me. Yeah. humbling them and drawing them to look to me or whatever, right? There's a yeah. hundred examples of sometimes our good heart wants to intervene. And the same thing in prayer. You know, I think that too often we just launch into prayer guided by what we earnestly want for someone or for a situation. But to pause and ask Jesus, what would you have me pray? What do I even pray here? It's wonderful, because again it it brings you back to partnering with God,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it also makes your prayers a whole lot more effective, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like those prayers get answered, mm-hmm. you know, the promise in First John is that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us, and we know that if He hears us, we have what we've asked. So it's like, wow, like that's an incredible promise right. in prayer, you right. know
1: it also helps me then to shift my gaze back to him, yes. Rather than what's swirling about. But
0: Jesus? Yeah. So it literally happened this morning in the kitchen. We were getting ready to leave. A friend of ours is having a hard time at work. I knew that. And so I just wanted to offer some prayers in his direction for his work. And I started praying for his work. And Jesus said, it's not about his work. And I paused. And I went, Uh what? (laughs) And he's like, he needs me. I'm like, oh. I just spent... Ten minutes yeah, praying about the job, right? And she's like, "Nothing about the job. That's actually not what this is about. It's about his need for me." And mm-hmm. and so oh, I'm like, "Oh, so what do I pray?" And I'm like, "He's like, pray me for him." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, great! I can do that. Right. I pray Jesus for this guy. I pray lots of Jesus for <laughs> yeah, this guy. That's right? a good prayer,
1: <laughs>
2: right? So yeah. Just- well, what's great about that, John, is that so informs you and in how you relate to him from that point on, too. Yeah. yeah. You have some insight in what's going on in his life, in his heart. Yes. It changes how you relate. Yes, it sure does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah so asking, what do I pray?
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. One of my first radio interviews for Moving Mountains a couple days ago, and it was really fun because the interviewer doesn't know me, doesn't know Ransomed Heart, isn't really familiar with our work, but wow, to her credit, she read the book. They don't often do that when they interview, they just kind of kick out questions. And so I was really impressed with her integrity in that. And it was really fun. Like she would ask a question and not hear a Christian cliche answer. Then she'd like, really? So then she'd ask another question. And she was like digging deeper and deeper. And it was fun to watch that what she was discovering was a worldview. It wasn't just some platitudes on prayer. Oh, well, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. If you remember the acronym ACTS, it will help you in your prayer life. You know, none of that stuff Mm -hmm. because none of that stuff is really helpful in the end. But, you know, she was just kind of digging deeper into, well, no, no, wait a minute. Say some more about hearing God's voice and say some more about how the kingdom works and say, you know, and it was fun because we're not just talking about prayer. Mm -hmm. We're talking about living in the kingdom Mm -hmm. and understanding how it works, understanding authority, you know, and all kinds of other things. And that's what makes this book really fun, right? It's It's like as deep as you want to go, you know, God can
2: take you there. So, John, for you, I mean, you wrote the book. I'm sure there's many things in it that move and touch you. But today, as you were preparing or thinking about this podcast, what impressed you? What jumped out? Did you need to hear or remember?
0: Surprisingly, the book covers a lot of ground in how prayer works and how to pray, as Stace was saying, in very specific situations. So it's going to be helpful in the moment, but it's going to be helpful to have on your shelf for years ahead because you can reach out for it when, how do you do healing prayer? How do you do inner healing prayer? Different guidance in that, but... What I'm thinking about this morning is chapter two, which is entitled Third Graders at Normandy. <laughs> and I start with talking about Stacy and I had been reading aloud to each other The Silver Chair, which is one of the Chronicles of Narnia books. And we, of course, adore that series, as I know many of our listeners do. And, and there's that scene where Aslan is called Eustace— And Jill, out of their world, out of their London school day, into his kingdom. And he actually calls them to his kingdom before he sends them into Narnia. And he's going to give them a mission. And here's what he says to Jill. He says, and now hear your task. Far from here, in the land of Narnia, there lives an aged king who is sad because he has no prince of his blood to be king after him. He has no heir because his only son was stolen from him many years ago, and no one in Narnia knows whether that prince went or whether he is still alive, but he is. I lay on you this command, that you seek this lost prince until either you have found him and brought him back to his father's house, or else died in the attempt, or else gone back into your own world. And I go on to say, wait. That second piece, died in the attempt? (laughs) My goodness, these are grave orders for a couple of 10-year-olds. Aslan is the best, kindest, most Jesus-like figure you'll ever meet in literature. This is the sort of story he has for them? Would you send your fifth grader off to Somalia? And I go on to say, and yet I think C.S. Lewis was on to something very true about the character of God and the world in which we find ourselves. The children are being called up. Mm-hmm. And you asked what's kind of on my heart this morning. I'm just so aware of God's loving, gracious, kind, but very firm commitment to grow us up. Right. Yes. God is growing us up. Mm-hmm. Like that will just change the way. You kind of approach everything, actually, but with prayer. So here's the practical thing. Again, just from this morning. This is all very real-time stuff. Had a hard night of sleep last night. Kind of up and down. I could tell it was spiritual opposition. And my prayers did not feel super effective last night. They felt kind of effective. And this morning, my heart, I could just tell I kind of wanted to pout. I wanted to be mad at God. I wanted to... And, oh, just very, very quickly in our prayer time, I could feel that thing of God is growing you up, John. God is growing you up. Like, you don't get to pout. This isn't about pouting. He hasn't abandoned you. You're not doing anything wrong. But Mm -hmm. don't let your heart go there. You know, I'm abandoned. I'm forsaken. He doesn't hear me. Like, no, none of that's true. So just don't even entertain that. Now, let's pray again. Like, just this, this beautiful kind of intervention god is growing us up mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. that's so good john as you're saying that i'm just aware that the need for us to grow up is so essential because of the world we live in i mean we we're born into a world at war and to survive and to bring this kingdom we need to develop the skills the character the passion, the maturity,
0: yeah, yes. yeah, the emotional mm-hmm, maturity, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's just essential to what God wants to do, and it's so kind of Him and King, like He's super gracious. And I just look back at kind of our early prayer life, and it was very different than the way we pray now. And God heard those prayers, yes. and those prayers were answered. Yes, and back in those days. Those were the prayers of our youth, you know? And God's very kind. Like, he doesn't expect you to be fully mature when you're still in your youth in Christ. Whenever it was you came to faith. So there's a graciousness. There's a kindness, right? And and then the prayers of prayers of our 30s. You know, you kind of look back on the prayers of our 30s. And those were good prayers. Mm -hmm. Those were good prayers. And God answered a ton of those prayers. They were effective. I pray very differently now. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there is both a kindness of God understands where you're at. Mm-hmm. He knows where you're at. And He insists that we all grow up. Yeah. And it's a gift. It's a kindness. Mm-hmm. He's preparing us. So here's what we're going to do Moving Mountains releases in a couple of weeks around February 16th, but you can pre order the book on our website. If you do, there's some little bonus things you get. You get a ninety-day free membership to the tribe on our website. It gives you access to all kinds of free video and audio downloads, and we also have a prayer journal. <laughs> Gosh. Okay, this is sounding like an infomercial, but you know that's not us. Anyway, you can pre-order it now, and then it'll be available, obviously, in all the places that you get your books in a couple of weeks. And listeners, over the next four Podcasts. I'm just going to read parts of the book to you and let you enjoy some of the teaching, some of the content, some of the stories of prayer, both our own stories of prayer and also the biblical stories of Elijah and Ananias and the praying church and the book of Acts and kind of look into those stories and go, what can we learn? What are they teaching us about prayer and about the way the kingdom works? So that's going to be really, really good and then we'll come back at the end of a six-part series and kind of wrap things up with Craig and Stace again. You've been listening to the Ransom Heart Podcast.